Well, welcome this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. My name is Charles Gwen. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church. And we just want to say thank you so much for each and every one of you being here this morning. Uh, I met a few brand new people that I got a chance to say hi to. And uh, you, if you want to see me out at the hub or someone else out at the hub, we have a, a coffee cup and some info concerning uh, the church that we'd love for you to, to grab on your way out. And if you're joining us online, thank you again so much for taking the time to be together as the body of Christ. A very special day yesterday as we had a chance to have our children's Christmas program practice. Uh, and then soon after that, uh, we had some exciting things happen here at the church. And uh, I'd like to show you those. So Dave, do you mind hitting the lights for me? And uh, we're going to show a couple videos here this morning. On your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Rise and walk in newness of life. Amen. And then after that... <laughs> Amen. Let's give God a round of applause this morning. If you don't know those two individuals, that's Dylan and Haley Campbell. And uh, we are so excited for them as they have uh, spent time studying God's word, have been in uh, just in the body of Christ here, part of what's going on, and studying out what God uh, speaks about when it comes to the process of salvation, of hearing and, and believing and repenting and confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then being immersed into Christ and uh, dying to their old self to be raised in newness of life, and, and then to every day have to choose to live for God through the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what we are called to do as we've been going through a, a series called uh, the Follow the Star, a, a Journey to Christmas. We're in our third week and we're here this morning and we're journeying to joy. And I'm giving Dave a lot of work today because I'd asked Dave to hit the lights again. But this is a little clip from last year's uh, school Christmas program and I hope it brings you a little joy this morning. Yeah, that's fun. More than anything this morning, that is my hope for each and every one of you, that we have the J to the O to the Y. 
I want us to look here this morning at Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. And again, I am so glad that you are here with us today. And I want to say thank you for being a part of, of the journey to Christmas. And again, up to this point, we've journeyed to hope, to love, and today we journey to joy. Will you join me in prayer as we, as we begin? Father, this morning, what a privilege it is to come into your presence, into your house with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, we are just humbled because of your greatness in our lives. And Father, we do desire to have the J to the O to the Y, the joy of you in, your, in our lives. And so God, may you speak to us this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2. A familiar passage, and I want to begin in verse 7, and of course the, the setting is leading up to the birth of Jesus and the census that was uh, asked by Caesar Augustus and, and everything that's taking place up to this. Here in verse 7, it says, And she, speaking about Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths. And placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And then verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men. On whom his favor rests. Fanny Crosby. Some of you may not know her. But if you've been in the church for any extended period of time. Most likely you've sung one of her songs. Blessed Assurance is one of them. To God be the glory is another. Jesus keep me near the cross is another Fanny Crosby lived to be 95 years old, and during her lifetime of 95 years, she wrote over 9,000 hymns. 9,000, that's a lot of writing. And she was born in New York, and at the age of around two months old, she got sick. And her doctor, their normal family doctor, wasn't available, and the doctor that was able to come in prescribed some medicine to be put in Fanny's eyes. And not knowing it at the time, the family later found out that this doctor was a quack doctor. And so even though the, the medicine that was given did eventually help Fanny get better, it also caused Fanny to go blind at two months old. And then just two months later, her father died. And her mom had to go to work as a maid, and so she wasn't home very often. And so her grandmother, her Christian grandmother, 
raised Fanny. And I just want to stop here for a moment. I want to say thank you to all you grandparents out there that are putting forth the effort to invest in your grandkids, to try to show them the, the way, to give them the opportunity to know and to have a relationship with God because it, it makes a difference in your grandchildren's life. Fanny Crosby not only wrote hymns, but she also wrote poems. And one of the most profound, insightful section of poetry that she ever wrote was this. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I am blind, I cannot and I won't. And there's a question begging there, isn't there? How can a, a girl blinded by a quack doctor who had her father die as an infant, who was raised by her grandmother because her mom was busy working all the time, how does she have such joy? Where, where does it come from? How does she be so happy and so with so much tragedy that she dealt with in her life. Fanny Crosby knew where her true joy came from. She knew that true joy can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so would you be surprised this morning if I told you that she wrote those words to that poem when she was only eight years old? My daughter, Bree, is eight years old, and I, I'm having a hard time picturing this. And yet, it's not about age. Joy isn't about age. Joy is about the heart that's been changed by the grace of God. And as we journey to joy this morning, it's about real joy. Joy that flows over into our lives and over our situations and our circumstances. It's a joy that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy in the Bible is an inner gladness. It's a happiness that is based on spiritual realities and not just our circumstances. It's a deep-seated pleasure. Joy is a gift from God to his people that is centered in Jesus Christ. Joy is unsha the unshakable reality that comes as a result of the hope and the love and the peace that is found, again, only in Jesus Christ. If there is one thing in my life and one thing in your life as a follower of Christ that should be true as a result of God's grace, it's joy. That should be evident in your life and the whole of the Christmas story, the, the whole of the gospel message is about joy. God has made it possible for us to, to know joy, to receive joy, to, to have joy, and to be joyous, and to give joy. Joy has come to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And it's not just the words to a song, but it's the reality of Christmas. It's the reality of what God has done through the birth of his son, Jesus, into this world, which brings us back to the passage of scripture that we read just a moment ago. And I want to share three truths 
about joy with you this morning. Two of them directly from these verses. And one is, is that kind of an application or a, an encouragement for you this morning. And if you're taking notes, the first thing I would encourage you to write down is joy is found in who heard the angel's message. Joy is found in who heard the angel's message. If you turn again to Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And many of you have heard sermons where it's discussed about the concept and the idea about who God chose to have the message of his son be revealed to very first. It's, it's the message that was revealed to the shepherds through the angel. And that every common hard-working person has an opportunity to hear as we see these shepherds that's who they were they were just kind of everyday common ordinary kind of hard-working people and I I think about myself and I I feel like I kind of fall into that category of just every day I, I try to be a hard worker but I'm not overly extraordinary I'm just I'm just an everyday kind of person and out of all the people that God could have sent an angel to with the message that, was, that Christ was born, he chose to, to send the angel to the shepherds. And he could have sent the message to Herod or, or the priests or the scribes or the Pharisees. He could have sent the message to, to the city council members or the officials of Bethlehem, but he didn't. The first people God told that Christ was born was to some shepherds. So where's the joy in all of that? Well, I believe that the joy is the fact that the, the good news is for all kinds of people. It, it's for everybody. And again, in verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's for everyone. The joy is the fact that there is no one excluded from the gospel message. Not one person is excluded. Salvation is for all people, regardless of your nationality or your age or your social status or your gender or your wealth or your education. Even shepherds heard the good news of Jesus. What great joy knowing that the gospel is for all people. It wasn't just for the religious elite. It wasn't just for those who are famous in our world. It's not just for those people that are in high positions. It's for everyone, everywhere. In fact, it's for the lowly and the lonely and the outcast. Those that... People aren't necessarily always drawn to. Jesus came for everyone so that everyone could know him and have a relationship with him. And I, I want you to notice again that the good news has come specifically to you as well. If you look here again, it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for you, for be for all the people. And then verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. God is speaking to you this morning. He sent the gospel to you. For God so loved you, and he wants you to know joy. He wants you to come into a relationship with him. Salvation is for all people, but it's also for each and every one of you individually. When Christ died on the cross, he didn't die for nameless, faceless people. He died for you. He knew you when he went to the cross. Joy to the world, the Lord has come for each and every one of you. There is joy found in who heard the angel's message. And so the question is, this morning, do you hear the message? Have you heard the angel? Because there's good news of great joy. And that brings me to this, my second point, is there's, there is joy found in the message of the angel. The message itself There is great joy in that message. Verse 10 and 11 again. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord, a Savior. Someone that's going to save you. And you think about the movies that we watch. We like to to see the Savior come in. The ones that are going to come and, and be the hero to save the day. And the angels... Man, they say a lot in a very short few verses here. And what they said was filled with power. And it was filled with hope. And it was filled with love and joy and peace. And I hope you see that in those few short verses. The the first thing that the angel says is, do not be afraid. And we live in a world where a lot of people are living in fear. And even as Christians, it's hard to not get sucked into that. That, oh no, what's going to happen? Things are going to go downhill. I think about even preaching. You know, what's it going to look like in 10 years? Am I going to be, you know, am I going to be able to preach the way that I can preach right now in 10 years? I don't know. And sometimes we get worried and confused and we struggle with being afraid. And yet the angel says to the shepherds, do not be afraid. The Messiah has come. The Savior of the world has arrived. Notice that God sent a Savior and not a judge. You see, God did not come to make us fearful, but to make us joyful. To take away the fear. God wants a relationship with you this morning. Then there is joy in the fact that we don't have, a, have to fear because we have a Savior. One that was willing to save us from our sins. And there's also joy in the fact that it was good news. A lot of times you say, do you want to hear the the good news or the bad news first? And the angel, he only brought good news. Not the bad news. In fact, he could have brought the news that said, God said, man, I am done with you people. I'm tired of this. You continually reject me. You don't follow what I've taught you. You're constantly going your own way. And I think about in my own life how many times that God has probably wanted to say that to me. And yet he brought good news. He didn't say, I'm giving up. We're done. I'm out. And do you know why he didn't do that? 
It's because God keeps his promises. God is faithful. God's love is steadfast for you, just as we spoke about last week. You see, with God, there, there is no plan B. From the very beginning of time, it was always plan A. The sending of his son to save us from our sins. That was it. That was his plan. And every day, we need to live in the good news of great joy. And as I looked at that, that word, great joy, that's where we get the word, our word mega from. We're to have mega joy. It's supposed to be huge. It's supposed to be big. It's supposed to be exceedingly joyful. The news that was proclaimed wasn't just any old, everyday, run-of-the-mill kind of good news. No, this was great news for us. It should cause us, it should produce in our lives a mega joy that just flows up in our hearts, in our, in our minds, in our speech, in our actions. This news should change how we think and how we act and how we talk and how we live. It should bring mega joy into our lives because the Savior is born. The Savior has come and for 400 years the people were waiting they were yearning, they were looking forward to and longing for a Redeemer to come, a Savior, the Messiah, a, a King, a ruler. And what joy in the fact that they didn't have to wait any longer. The Messiah had come and each and every one of us, even today, it says that He has brought a Savior into the town of David. A Savior has been born and we don't have to wait any longer. The Savior has come, Jesus Christ. He's the one that can save us from our sins. In fact, Scripture says that today is the day of salvation. There's power in Jesus because he has come to save. And there's mega joy in that message, which leads me to the final truth this morning. And this truth is that there is joy today for your journey as you go through life, as you go day in and day out, some days better than others, each and every day can be a day full of joy because there's joy for your journey in Jesus Christ. Because joy is about a person. Joy is about a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have the the person that can give you joy, real joy. Joy for the journey in this tough life. The Lord's joy is our strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says that very thing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8 10. And oftentimes as Christians as humans we think God is on his throne he's looking down with a scowl on his face and thinking what a bunch of mess ups why can't they get it right and there might be times where he's his heart breaks for us just as parents our hearts break for our children but I really believe that in the midst of God's sovereignty, in the midst of his righteousness, in the midst of his holiness, he is a just God, but he is also a happy God. I believe that 
God's fundamental nature is one of joy. When you find God and serve God, you find and know joy. And God is so joyous that, get this, he even finds joy in us. That's how joyous God is. He, he looks down at us and he smiles. And I don't know about you as parents, but man, there are times where, you know, this, the things our kids say are just funny. And just real quickly, yesterday, my, I wasn't there, but my son, Brooks, five years old, he, he pulls up to the Steele's house out for a birthday party and says, ah, I wonder if they're willing to sell us one of their, tr their red trucks, because they got two. And so they go into the house, and Brooks says to Warren's like, what? How come you have two red trucks? He's like, well, one's mine and one's my dad's. And mine's not for sale, but maybe you could check with my dad. I don't know. And then all the way home, Brooks like, I wonder when we're going to get a, a, a new truck. And Autumn says, well, I don't know, maybe someday. And he gets home and says, Dad, Dad did you know we're going to get a new truck on Sunday? That's tomorrow. <laughs> you so there's times where our kids just bring us so much joy. And God looks down on each and every one of you, and he sees his children, and he sees joy. He has joy. And the Israelites in Nehemiah, they're going through a tough time. They had rebelled against God, and as they had the book of the law out, they were hearing the words. They were, they were being read to them there in Nehemiah, and it says they were, they were cut to the heart. They, they, they knew. Verse 9 says that the people had been weeping. As they listened to the words of the law, they knew they hadn't been living the way that God had called them to live. And they were broken hearted over their situation. And I wonder how many of us are broken hearted over our situation. Are we living the way God has called us to live? And yet Nehemiah says in verse 10, do not grieve. Don't get so down on yourself. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. God looks down on you and he still sees his child that he loves dearly. And the joy of the Lord is to be our strength. God delights in you. We can have joy in the fact that no matter what mistakes we make, no matter how much we've messed up, that God still loves us and he delights in us. And that's where your strength should lie. That when I mess up and make stupid choices in my life, that God still delights in me and loves me because I am his. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And also this morning, there is joy in our struggles. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 is a section of scripture that we studied through uh, several weeks ago as we went through our Thanksgiving series. And it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Consider it pure joy whenever you go through difficult times. And, and I, I think about... This idea of, of no pain, no gain. And I remember in high school where you go to weights class for that very first day, and you're pumping the iron as a high school you know, kid, guy, thinking you're tough. And then the very next day, your arms are so sore. And you go down the hallway, and you could tell which kids were in uh, the, the gym class or the weights class. And I just remember 
my friends doing it to me and me to them. You go down the hall and you walk past your friend and you'd take your fingers and you'd hit him right there in the pectoral muscle. And it would hurt so bad because your arms were so sore and your, your pecs were so sore from lifting weights because your arms were, the muscle was being ripped and torn. And it's like the 80s workout videos, you know, the no pain, no gain. That's what it's talking about. In order for you to grow muscle, to build muscle, there's got to be some tearing and some struggle and some difficulty. And the same is true when it comes to your spiritual muscles as well. In fact, uh, as I was looking at this no pain, no gain idea, uh, it's interesting that Ben Franklin coined the one of the very same kind of phrases back in the 18th century when he wrote, there are no gains without pains. Can you imagine Ben Franklin pumping some iron? There are no gains without pains. And we, as we go through trials in life, God is at work. He is growing us. There is even joy in our trials, and there's also joy in our tears, and joy that comes in the morning. If you turn to Psalm chapter 126, verse 5, Psalm 126, 5 says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. In the last part of Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, says, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing Joy comes in the morning. And the Christian life is not always easy. There's going to be times where you have gone through difficult things. You've dealt with pain. And most of us, as you go through those trying times, we, we need to look to God for strength and for joy. And most Christians, as you've dealt with that pain and the tears, it doesn't mean that you're living a joyless life. But what it means is that our tears as Christians should never wash away our joy. It, it just means that we're emotional beings, that God created us that way. And after a long night of crying and sadness, in the morning, as a believer in Jesus, joy comes. You see, regardless of what we face that causes our tears, joy finds its way through the life of a Christian. And it's the truth that no matter what I face, God is still God. God is still in control. God is still working things out for his glory and for my good. And joy does come in the morning because joy isn't about our situations or our circumstances, but it's about God who loves me and who saved me. There is joy that is uncontainable. As we looked here in this passage, verse 13 says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And if you look down to verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Uncontainable joy. God has given us corporate worship to come together 
to depend on one another, the opportunity to reflect and to humble ourselves in the presence of God. But I also think that we come together as the body of Christ to express our joy in the presence of God. Think about this. If the joy that you have in Christ is something that you can contain, if it's something that you can hold on to and not release, if, if the joy from the Lord that you have is something you can kind of put in a box and on a, put it on a shelf and, and kind of keep it to the side, then I wonder this morning, is that really joy that comes from the Lord? Because if we have joy that comes from the Lord, it should be uncontainable. It should just come out of us. In fact, Psalm 19 verse 1 says, it tells us that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And Isaiah 55 verse 12 says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And then Jesus said as he entered into Jerusalem that last time that if these people don't cry out and praise me, then the stones will. And I don't know about you this morning, but I'm not going to let some rock that lays on the ground out praise me. Amen? I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to be the one that's going to proclaim it from the mountaintops. I'm going to praise God and say, it's God that makes a difference in my life. I'm not going to allow some rock on the ground to outpraise me. And I pray the same is true for you this morning. If the message of God's grace and the message of Christ coming in, the saving of your life, the forgiveness of your sin, if, if that's not joy that is uncontainable in your life, then maybe you need to have a spiritual checkup. So here's the question that has to be asked. Do you have joy? And I'm not asking, are you having a good day or a bad day? But I'm asking, do you have joy? And if you say that, well, I don't, I don't know. I just, I've been struggling with that. I don't feel like I have joy this morning. I want to tell you two quick things. And the first is that you may not have joy because you don't know the Savior of joy. And if that's you this morning, man, I pray that you would seek that out in God's word, that you would study at, that you would ask questions, because Jesus makes all the difference in the world when it comes to joy. And what you need to do is come into a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning so that you might experience the joy, God's true joy in your life. But maybe you're here this morning, and you're a longtime Christian, and you say, man, I just, I don't, I'm struggling. Joy is not the first thing that comes to my heart and my mind in the morning. Then the second thing I would say to you is that somewhere in your life, somewhere maybe in the past, the recent past, the long go past, somewhere you've begun substituting something else for Jesus in your life. And I don't know what it is. It could be anything. But when you take what should be first in your life, which is Jesus, and put something else in his place, you aren't going to have joy. It's never going to fill you up. It's never going to be enough. It's never going to be what is going to bring true joy into your life, real abiding joy. So do you have joy this morning? 
not just feel good today, not just uh, everything's going pretty well, not just I'm, I'm healthy, my family's healthy, not just uh, my bank account's in good shape. No, I'm not talking about the earthly things. I'm talking about the kind of joy that if all craziness, I was going to say H-E double hockey sticks, if, if all H-E double hockey sticks broke out in your life this morning, would you still have joy that can only come from Jesus Christ? As we follow the star and journey to joy this morning, you have a decision to make. Are you willing to surrender your life to God that you might have joy no matter what is going on all around you? As the praise team comes, I want to read from Psalm 28, verse 7. Psalm 28, verse 7. I wonder this morning, is this a verse that, that could speak boldly, that you could speak boldly to the world? It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. May that verse ring true in your life this, this morning. And if you have a decision to make, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us?